You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And, uh, you know, in our last episode, Kyle, we discussed Rupp Arena. Um, As we're recording this, uh, Calipari has not made a statement yet about uh, the name change um the uh, african americans and africana studies faculty uh together put put a letter the sent to eli capilouto and said among the things they wanted uh was that kentucky to change the name of rupp arena because they say that adolph rupp has come to stand for racism so we kind of discussed whether or not he does and if you could prove it and all that stuff on the last episode this episode, uh, and again, John Calipari has not mentioned, um, as we as we record this, John Calipari has not made a statement, so maybe he has by the time this comes out. But um, also, let me mention, before I get too far into this show, that today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so... What should Calipari do? Like in the last episode, we talked about had Adolph Rupp because he was the most powerful man in Kentucky. Had he decided to start recruiting black players and just done it, you know, you said you felt like the rest of Kentucky fans would just fall in line with that. Calipari kind of has that that type of power when he says something, it carries a lot of weight. What he says on this is going to carry a lot of weight. Does he have a responsibility to respond or should he just leave it to the athletic department and the, and the university, the president and uh, Mitch Barnhart? He does. I mean, he doesn't have a choice because he, he has a choice about whether he does it on his own, but he's going to get asked about it. Whenever the next time he talks, he will be asked about it. Right. um, Because he's in that position. And maybe that's unfair. um, But but it's this, you know, it comes with the seat he sits in. He talks about that all the time. Um, and you're right. I mean, he does, he does have some power to to change minds and, um, you know, influence opinion. Although not always. I mean, you know, he there are things that he does and say and and says that um, piss off the fan base, and it doesn't change their mind. They just they get mad at him about it. You know, he like. Like, yeah. you know, what he had a Obama gave Obama a, a Kentucky Jersey and that pissed off uh-huh. a bunch of people. And, you know, anytime, anytime he does anything that's viewed as remotely political, somebody on one of the, on one side, you know, rips him. I mean, you look at his Facebook comments or his Twitter comments when he comments on a social issue or black lives matter or whatever, and you get all these angry replies. So whatever stance he takes on this, he's probably going to get hammered. Um, and he may just say, I, you know, I don't know all the facts. I mean, I think the, you know, the safe play for him is to say kind of what we talked about in the last, uh, episode, which is, um, to kind of just say like, there's not enough clear evidence one way or the other. Um, there's a lot of people that knew him back then, both black and white that swear that he's not, uh, was not racist. 
uh, that that he would have had black players if it, if he thought he could safely bring them to campus. I think you could make that argument. Um, but it would be interesting to see how he plays this because, uh, you know, cynically, a little bit cynically, you have to acknowledge that some of college coaches' reactions, like, say, to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, is undoubtedly rooted in knowing you better be on the right side of that as you go into the homes of uh, yes. young black teenagers and their families. Um, there are coaches that I, I mean, it's obvious to me, there are some coaches out there around college sports. I don't mean necessarily at Kentucky, but it's obvious to me that there are some coaches who are totally not on the, on that side in, in reality, but they know yeah. what their public face has to be. Uh, their public stance has to be. Um, Mike Gundy. Go, yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and Calipari has come so far out in support of Black Lives Matter, and he's had these forums, and he's uh, started this um, uh, leadership program. By the way, uh, he just uh, in, put the endowment in for that program at North Carolina Central University. Yes. And um, HBCU. So, you know, there's a piece of it that I wonder, you know, does he feel like he almost has to come out and say, look, you know, I respect everything Rupp built here and the program he built that I have inherited and uh, the tradition and all of those things and his greatness as a coach. Um, but if this is how people feel, you know, if this is how a population of people feel, uh, that every time they have to see Rupp Arena or see it referenced or whatever, that it brings up image, images of racism, then we should change it. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily shock me if he did that. Uh, he would piss off a lot of people if he did it. Like, and I'm oh, yeah. even, and like I think I've kind of said like I'm not really sure I, I necessarily agree that it needs to change. I don't. I don't say it doesn't need to change. I feel like I don't have enough information. Like I don't know that anybody has ever presented a thorough enough history of it for me to know. Um, but and so, again, so many of so many feelings about it are based on a movie, <laughs> which is never a good idea. Uh, to take your history lessons from the, from cinema, but well, listen I, to listen to this quote. The name is tied to Coach Rupp, and the Rupp family is so important for us to protect that name and to make sure it is always remembered as the iconic place, family name, leader of college basketball. We intend to preserve that forever. Mitch Barnhart, when they uh, when they did the uh, Lexington Center stuff, right? Yes, I think I was standing absolutely. there. I might have even asked that question. I can't remember, but uh, I was standing <laughs> there that day that he said that. Um, yeah, I mean that was obviously a few years ago. It was not. It's not in response to this, but right. uh, we know how. But we. But that gives us an idea of how the the university feels and its athletic leadership feels about the sanctity of the Rupp name. Um, you know, I. I don't know what. Kentucky should do. I don't know how Cal should respond. Um, but diplomatically, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, diplomatically is uh, something he's got to consider, uh, and he does have to think about recruiting. And and here's the other, here's the other thing I would say: like these things become issues you can't ignore when groups of people speak up. 
Yes. Like everybody sort of wondered in the back of their mind, like, mm, should they really, should, you know, will there come a day where they take her up down when you watch the Redskins get changed and so many other things get changed and, and statues come down? You go, oof, given how so many people think that this guy was a racist, like, is this really going to stay? I got everybody has, a lot of people have had those thoughts, but it became an issue that can't be ignored because a group of faculty at UK spoke mm-hmm. up. So, the real sort of potential disaster for Kentucky is in terms of if you, if you're hell bent on keeping it and being forced not to keep it will be if BJ Boston and Terrence Clark come out and say, yeah, what, which we've seen athletes do right recently. I won't play here until the name is changed. Yeah. They take that kind of stand. That name would be down in five seconds. <laughs> yep. Um, well, and I think Calipari genuinely would take that and say, okay, that's new information to me. I didn't realize that these players felt that way. Right. It's different if there's a group of faculty over here that are misinformed. If I'm not saying they are misinformed, but if they are, and then it's different if the guys you're counting on to help you earn your salary and make a living and they feel that way. And you, you have, he says players first. I mean, he really looks at those guys like his kids and all that stuff. And so if they feel that way, that's going to weigh more heavily on him. He's going to genuinely feel like, okay, if you see it that way, then I think it should, then he'll speak out and lead the change for it. And again, I think it's genuine, not that it's tied straight to, well, I got to have these players like uh, Chuba Hubbard. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's another thing. I don't think we have to really be super cynical about Calipari responding to these things because he has a track record. Um, yeah. Of caring He's built about up credit. These issues yeah. about caring about specifically about um, this demographic. I mean, he he's always talking about. You know, when when the NCAA is changing rules, like let's you know, he'll say like, let's be real. Who are these? Who is this largely affecting? Mm-hmm. You know, young black men and young. Uh, men from uh, difficult circumstances and or are we doing the thing that is best for them are we doing things that discourage them from education are we doing things that that almost guide them into making poor life decisions like he he has often done things like that and this leadership initiative is a huge demonstration of that and so if on the heels of all that he was to say I have players that care about this and so I need to care about it and I need to know why it bothers them. And if we reach the conclusion that, you know, I w- I'm like, it would not surprise me at all for Cal to just say, I'm going to stand with them on wh- however they feel about it. Yeah. Um, which would put him at odds with a big part of the fan base. Um, frankly, I think it's insane to <laughs> like care that much really about it. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think the name should change, but I also don't think it really matters that much. Mm-hmm. enough to like fracture <laughs> relation. Yeah. Um, and I just think big ass arena would be awesome. <laughs> but well, uh, well, I have one more point I'd like to make on this, but we got to take a break first. And then when we come back, uh, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about Isaiah Jackson and the Kentucky basketball program as a whole. Um, when we continue here on lockdown, Kentucky. You know, one reason to repair and maintain your vehicles is, of course, to save money that you can then use for important things like mortgage, 
food. So why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto part at a chain store or a new car dealership? RockAuto.com. Like you can look this up if you want, but a, a fuel pump assembly for a Honda Odyssey between 05 and, and 2010 was found to be $353.99 at Advanced Auto Parts. $216.79 at rockauto.com. That's more than a $100 difference. It doesn't matter if you're a professional mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer. The price never changes at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com. See all the parts for your vehicle that are available right locked on in there where it says, how did you hear about us? So that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. And just to continue the conversation a little bit more on the Rupp Arena name change, as I thought about this particular moment in time for the UK Athletics Department, uh, if they do have football, they're not going to have 100% capacity. They're not going to get the football revenue that they would normally have gotten uh, in a in a regular year with a, a pandemic-free year. The And they count on that. The revenue from football, I think, is even greater than basketball. I'm pretty sure it is, for even for UK. So they're not going to get that. And the pinch on athletic departments everywhere. What if they don't even play football? I mean, the basketball season, even that is in jeopardy a little bit as to whether or not they have a non-conference schedule. Maybe they don't even start playing to January, as Rick Pitino has suggested they do. So you're losing a lot of money. This, right now, could be an opportunity for Mitch Barnhart uh, and company to say, this gives us an excuse to sell the naming rights to Rupp Arena. This gives us an opportunity to say, okay, Central Bank or whoever, we're going to call it that arena and just be done with it and we'll be viewed as doing the right thing. Uh, it could piss off a lot of fans, but you know what? They're going to be Kentucky fans anyway. We've already pissed them off when we changed Kroger Field and changed where they sit and we changed the parking and we we won't listen to fans about the Power K. And look, they're still going to be UK fans. We're not going to lose Kentucky basketball fans. If we do, they'll be so old, it doesn't really matter. That's how businesses think. Businesses think the, the bottom line. And if you know, if you're a cigarette company or you're a you know gas and oil company, uh, these are things you have to have. We know that you're not going to give up on gasoline. Just just completely. If you do, because we've changed some kind of policy or something, it's very little. Uh, you know, the things that you need, that you must have. And if you live in Kentucky, there are must-have Kentucky basketball people. And there always will be what, no matter what they do. So if they change the name of Rupp Arena and you lose some people, you'll be fine. You're not going to lose so many that it's going to hurt your bottom line. But what no. you could do is make some money on it and increase that bottom line. By, by giving the name and right. So I think that they might, they might consider it that way. Uh, there are a lot of positives to it 
business-wise and perception-wise to be one doing the right thing whether you mean it or not you're just yeah. your, your perception is you're doing the right thing even if you're doing it for money and then you make the money on it so yeah, it I, I think there's a good chance that could go that way it depends on whether the decisions in Mitch Barnhart's hands or Eli Capilouto's hands or the board of trustees I don't know what the process would be for that yeah if it's up to Mitch Barnhart it'll be over his dead body <laughs> <laughs> I think uh that it changes um but then you know the interesting thing about that would be like the 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 football fans who sort of have the you don't love you don't care about football even now which is ridiculous but uh we'll go oh you you didn't mind uh, selling out the name of Commonwealth Stadium but you protect and they've said that i mean when when he right. when he came out and said he would never change rup they're like oh so you sell you'll sell football but not the basketball um but I just don't think he wants to do it. I don't think he wants any part of it. I think he would he would buck against it. I mean, he has a relationship with Rupp's family. The university mm-hmm. still has a relationship with Rupp's family. They're very sensitive to the idea of, you know, people calling their father, grandfather uh, a racist, obviously. Yeah. Anyone would be. Um, and they're very protective of it being on the arena. Um, so I don't know. I... I I still have a really hard time believing it actually gets changed unless they're just absolutely over a barrel with it. You know, if you end up in that situation where I'd be really curious how, how UK would respond if, you know, Kentucky's freshman class just said, we're not going to play until you change the name of the arena. (laughs) I mean, my approach, if I were president of the university would to be, I look at all the other things uh, in this letter uh, that the faculty is asking for. And uh, I, I like a lot of them. I especially like an undergraduate course that's required on race and yeah. inequality. I really like that one. I think that's that one really should be in there so that there's an education about it. But uh, I would uh, do my best to to check off the list on the rest of them. And then I would say, let let me see uh, more on the RUP issue. And then maybe uh, send out to all your uh, alumni, uh, black alumni, um, you know, uh, a, a survey and just ask them how they feel about it. Uh, try to get a consensus uh, or not a consensus. Just try to get a, a feel for it, uh, you know, throughout the state and see how people feel about it. And if it turns out that more people feel that it's an affront to them, uh, that I would have to consider it. But then when you do it, you have to remember now there's no more honoring Adolf Rupp for anything. That's it. If you take his name off the arena, then you're not, you're not able to honor him for anything else either. Right. So, you know, that's gotta be part of it too, if you think about it, but then, you know, and I always hear people say, well, where does it stop? Do you start looking at every, like Dan Issel, he got in trouble in uh, Denver for making an insensitive uh, racial slur uh, towards a Latino. I remember when he got in trouble for that. It's been quite a while ago. But so do you take his jersey down now? You know, do you keep going down the list and look at these players and go, oh, well, this player uh, was known to be a racist. Well, how, right. how do you know? Well, 
I just yeah. feel that way. Yeah, it you gets, know? I mean, you get into the you get into the weeds a little bit with that, and it does become uh, difficult to see where it stops and sort of where you draw the line. Um, I think things that are just overtly offensive, I think are are easy, <laughs> you know, and things we should should do and should have done. I mean, the Confederate. Yeah, flag I think like is, Robert E. Lee School got yeah. changed today in Virginia to John Lewis. Yeah, school. I mean, you know, Confederate flags, Confederate monuments. I have no problem with that. I mean, you yeah. can say you're erasing history, but like, that's also a hilarious thing that people like to say. Like, we can't forget our history, but the same people will say slavery was 400 years ago. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's get <laughs> over it. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think you erase history necessarily. It's like you know, look, if you take the name Rupp Arena off Rupp, it doesn't it doesn't erase the history. Nobody's going to be like, oh, who who was the coach who started this all at Kentucky? Right. Um, I, I don't know. I I don't know what what to do about this one. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to be the one to make the decision. Um, for sure, um, it does sort of spur me to want more information. I mean, it's something I've always been kind of curious about. Um, because it is something you hear all the time. Like, oh, you know, it's a common refrain of like rival fans that you'll see in like comments on stories. Like, oh, your coach was a racist. You know. Um, and so you always, always, it's always in the back of my mind, like, I wonder what the, what the real story is here. And I don't, I, mm-hmm. again, I just don't feel like I've ever really gotten the, the whole story. So, uh, it's almost like I could maybe dig around and write that story some point, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. most, but most of those people are dead. I mean, the pro the problem, the problem with really telling it accurately at this point is that most of the people who could, could tell that story are long dead. But well, Dick Gabriel did a documentary about it, uh, yeah. and it's been a few years ago when he did it, and yep, it wasn't and it wasn't that. commissioned by the University of Kentucky or anything. He he went out there and went on his fact finding mission uh, without bias, as far as I far as I know, far as my understanding is. Um, so anyway, you can check that out if you want. I think it's called Myth Legend. I can't remember, but you, yeah. you can find it. Yeah, I have a too. copy of it. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. All right, well, we ate up that segment, so next we will talk about Isaiah Jackson when we return here on Locked on Kentucky. This is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked on Kentucky, and uh, let's talk about Isaiah Jackson, the, the final member of the team to to arrive on campus. Uh, John Calipari a couple weeks ago said he thought that this entire team was on campus, but he was uh, still on vacation when he did that uh, Zoom meeting zoom call uh so at the time he didn't realize that isaiah jackson hadn't made it uh to campus yet but he hadn't and then he was expected i think over the fourth of july weekend or something and he hadn't made it but finally isaiah jackson is in the fold and kentucky's entire roster is now on campus for the 2021 season yeah i caught up with his dad uh they dropped him off uh on sunday the what is that the night the 20th 19th Sunday, the 19th. 19th. Um, they finally dropped him off. And, uh, his father said, basically what happened was his, his grandmother, uh, Isaiah's grandmother, uh, his, uh, paternal grandmother had gotten really sick and they were, they were concerned about how serious it was. It was a heart condition. It was not COVID related. Um, and they're all very tight family and, and Isaiah didn't want to leave his family 
behind with all that going on. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if there were COVID, it wasn't COVID related, but I don't know if there were COVID concerns for him, you know, to go, you know, go to a college campus and then, you know, then leave. if he comes back, you know, if he comes back, can he see his grandmother if she's in the hospital and all those things? Um, we didn't kind of get into the details of that, just that, that they were kind of waiting until her health issues resolved and she's okay now. Um, and so he made it, but I thought the really interesting thing from that conversation was how he described dropping, uh, how his dad described dropping Isaiah Jackson off at Kentucky on Sunday. It was basically like a ghost town, uh, that everything is really locked down. It really is this bubble that Calipari has talked about that none of his teammates came and greeted him. Um, even though they were all there and he was the last one, um, that a student manager wearing a mask came and let him in the door. Um, there was a receptionist in a mask at the front desk of the uh, dorm building. And those are the only people that they saw. Uh, everybody else was locked down. Everybody's in their own rooms with their own bathrooms. Uh, you know, until this week, they were not allowed to interact with the coaching staff. They were only allowed two at a time in the gym, shooting on each end, separate from each other. I mean, they had really, I don't know if you saw, and it's kind of cool because it starts making you think about basketball again. Uh, UK basketball account put out a video today of some, stuff from the workouts and it's funny they kind of splice it together to almost look like it's all from like one cohesive like event but it's mm. like if you really look at it it's really obvious that it's like individual videos of individual guys working out by themselves with like you know a manager and a coach um and so they're really not all together yet i know cal has said he's hoping soon to get to three on three and then to five on five but um but yeah, on Sunday, but when they dropped him off on Sunday, everything was really locked down. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things we were going to talk about, I think we may wait and talk about it on a later episode, but uh, our if as people are listening to this on Monday, our state of the program series for basketball will have continued with Kentucky, have about 4,000 words kind of breaking down in Kentucky, where they've been, where they are, where they're going, going through the whole roster, um, talk to Keon Brooks and Kenny Payne for that. And one of the things Keon said was, you know, Cal's message through this whole thing has been like, keep your sanity because he knows that everybody's kind of losing it a little bit, that they can't just be together like a normal team. I mean, they're all on campus and they're all in the same dorm building, but they're really not together yet. They can't, they're really not allowing them to hang out yet as a group to work really? out as a group. Yeah. Um, so they can't hang out at all. They can't be in each I, other's I guess rooms. Maybe they can in small numbers, but yeah, I think they're still trying to keep them all separate from each other. Um, because if they yeah. don't leave the bubble and they have stuff to live, well, you'd them. think that, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Cal's just said, like, try to keep your sanity and, and know that you know, follow these protocols. And 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 Keon said, you know, we have we have done a great job of doing that, keeping ourselves safe. Um, but uh, I, I just thought that was interesting to hear his dad talk about the sort of the drop off experience. It's not the one you imagine that you're going to have as you drop your kid off at school. But he said, yeah. you know, he said it was weird, but it was clear that they're trying to keep these kids safe and sched and secluded uh, in a bubble. And we didn't want to do anything to jeopardize that as a father. I loved it because it lets you know that everybody is taking this thing seriously. And he said, this is kind of the, the, the theme of all the mask messaging that's out there. Uh, this virus is real, but as long as we abide by the rules, we can go back and get back to seeing football and basketball again. And the kids can go back to school if we will do our part. Um, yeah. So that was interesting uh, stuff as well. Um, 
And, you know, he said that they tested him as soon as he got there for COVID on on uh, Sunday, and that by Monday he had his results and he was negative, so that was good. Uh, and yeah. Cal's Cal Zoom a, a couple weeks ago, he had said that he said we've been negative for four weeks, uh, and so if that is held true, you know, they're at like five or six weeks now of nobody in the in the bubble uh, being positive for COVID. So that would. That would be good. Of course, it mm-hmm. all it matters that like all these other programs that they're going to play do something similar, right? <laughs> Which is a tougher sell. Uh, but it, it seems like they're trying to they're trying to keep it tight. And, and the video coming out today of all of the staff working with each of those guys is also, I think, encouraging. At least that they're they're getting to do some instruction now. They're getting getting into something that at least sort of looks like basketball. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one positive sign. Um, about this, about this whole thing with all of college athletics is, um, you know, a few weeks back, we saw that Clemson had what, like 37 players. Um, LSU had to shut stuff down because they had a bunch of players. NC State had a bunch of players. Um, You know, several campuses have had issues. Ohio State had to stop workouts for football. But we, and I don't know if it's HIPAA or, or what, but we have yet to have any college athlete that I've seen in like major uh, sports like football and basketball uh, be hospitalized or have, have any serious effects from COVID-19. Like we've heard reports that they've tested positive, but we've not heard anyone uh, succumb to detrimental effects, like be in the hospital for four weeks or be on a ventilator or be really sick or just have trouble breathing or, those kind of things. Like as far as we know, we would think it would be reported. Maybe it's just not being reported at all, but you would think we would know if someone had to do more than quarantine for 10 days. And so far, so good. You know, if, if it's a simply uh, true that, that no one has been hospitalized in college athletics, because that bodes well for if you're protecting your players as well as you can and you limit the positive test. And then when it is a positive test, it's a mild sickness. It's not severe. It doesn't, we know it's a life-threatening disease, but if, but if none of the athletes have their lives right. threatened by it, you know, that, right. that, no, I, I mean, I think that's what everybody's kind of, that's the thing I'm sort of holding my breath on. It's like, yeah, it just takes one of those, unfortunately. Right. And it's all, it's all. Uh, I mean, it would be one death would be the end of, of college sports right. for this year. Uh, and, you know, one serious hospitalization, I think, could put it in real jeopardy. And um, no college university president wants to be the one who. Right. I mean, I, I mean, it, to me, the word, there's a lot of words, but the word in terms of the reality of whether college sports and college going to college on campus, regardless of sports, of going back to schools, the word that just defines the decision for me is liability (laughs) is, you know, how, how much liability is there on these schools, on these administrators, on these decision makers. Um, And you're not going to get away with the uh, Buckeye pledge. Right, and and not even just and not even just financial liability. I mean, some of it is just like, do you just morally and mentally, do you want to be the athletic director? It's like we got to get football played because we got to pay our bills full steam ahead, and then you know, three of your players are dead. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah. Whatever, even if you don't get sued, I mean, how do you sleep at night? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's like, again, that, like that's where I'm just sort of holding my breath about yeah. all this ramp up and activity because we also, other than the, the like pro sports that have tried to really be more true bubbles or, and, and have more testing capacity and all that and a lot more safeguards than colleges do. Like we still haven't gotten to the playing games and even practicing. No, I didn't get to full practice where you, yeah. you know, football players are, are nostril and nostril. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say like, Oh, well that hasn't happened yet. Well, what's going to happen when we do that? Um, and it's also just like, aren't, shouldn't they be doing, shouldn't they be starting some of that stuff now? If it's safe. I mean, I feel like everybody's afraid to start because they kind of know it's not safe. Well, I mean, typically four weeks before the first game, I think is how, what you're allowed. I think that's the way it goes. So September 5th, which Kentucky has moved it back, but you know, that Saturday, September 5th. So then, yeah, that's true. you know, practice would start the first that's week true. of August. In, we are still in July, but um, I don't know. I, I just, So they should be starting like not next week, but the week after that's when it right. would normally start. If you're going to start the season on time. We'll like see. real real camp. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I, I've come to kind of almost believe like there's a better chance that we get basketball off the ground somewhat close to normal m- more than football. Well, football, I think what uh, – I mean, my belief is the SEC is just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they're forced to say – like they're going to hold out as long as they can yeah. to make a call because they – they want to get it in if they can, and they, everybody does. But they're not going to, you know, put themselves in a corner uh, until they have to. So I, I don't foresee Greg Sankey making an announcement next week. Not just right. yet. So we'll we'll see though. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Kentucky. We'll, we've got a couple more. I mean, God willing, and the creek don't rise. We'll get a couple more in before July thirty first, which is our final episode together of the locked on Kentucky podcast. And as soon as I find out uh, the future of the podcast, uh, as soon as the details of that are finalized, I'll let you know until then follow us on Twitter. If you want to, if you want to get your final questions in for us to talk about, I'm at D R I E F F E R. And Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A T H. All right. Thanks for listening guys. are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.